I'm Devorah Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. So this class should be a Rafua Shalema for Sarah Rissel. Uh, sorry. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. I think it's Bluma Rissel Basara. She should have a Rafua Shalema for Kagito Bas Yehudis. And Vega um, Chana Bas Rachel. Bezrat Hashem. They should all have a Rafua Shalema. Okay, so just a quick review from last week, just so we all know what we're talking about. Um, we're talking about the Mida called Ahavas Chinam. It's a new term, this idea of Chinam, but the idea is we do have a mitzvah to love others, right? It comes from the Torah. You're supposed to love other people the way you love yourself. Now, a lot of us, us have a lot of problems with our own self-love, right? It's not always the healthiest. It's we don't always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We don't, uh, you know, very often some of us beat ourselves up on a consistent basis or the opposite. We can have a million reasons for why we did something and find a, a million excuses for ourselves. We're able to judge ourselves ben, uh, favorably and let ourselves off the hook. But when it comes to other people, we can be very exacting we can feel that, you know, their standards are not up to our standards and therefore, you know, we can't tolerate that. And so, you know, Ahava incorporates a lot of things, but here we're talking about just plain and simple flowing free love, free love that's unearned, right? It's called Chinam because I'm just giving it to you, not because you did anything for me, not because you deserve it. But just because I want to be a person who is the epitome of a river that flows, right? Love flowing without a dam, right? A dam, a river that's dammed up, that place where the dam is, the river becomes very rough. It almost looks angry and agitated. So we want to see ourselves as this flowing river, regardless of who we're dealing with. And this is the idea of Ahava. We're going to talk more about this as we go on. You know, what gets in the way? What obstacles um, sort of dam up this ability to flow, to flow with love? Okay, I, I just want to let you know also that somebody got in touch with me to tell me about an incredible success. And of course, we can all celebrate this success. After my class last week, she let me know that she's going to call somebody who she has not spoken to for 40 years. Yes, somebody that she had some kind of cold war with, or in her mind she did, and she decided after the class she was going to call her up. Now, this person is in her circle one, but very, very peripherally. Okay, so obviously for 40 years, she could go on without it being too much of an issue in her life. She called this person up and they said, wow, it's been 40 years. 
what happened? You know, a lot of times in my Hakpada class, we talk about how in our own minds, we can have made up a whole story about what the other person thinks about what happened. And we can spend years and years with these toxic thoughts and, and, and this misconception almost about, you know, what happened between me and another person. Meanwhile, the other person just goes on with their life and doesn't give it a second thought. And, you know, we're left sort of living with the toxicity of whatever occurred between us. And here's an example, perhaps, where the other person was kind of like, where were you? What happened? I didn't hear from you for 40 years. Um, I don't know what went on in the conversation. I'm going to get to hear more about this, I hope. But let's just say this was a huge victory. And, you know, I said, if, if for one person that happened, that alone is enough reason for me to continue teaching and sharing these wonderful ideas from Rebbitz and Dina Schoonmaker. Okay, ladies, just to recall, we have three circles of relationships in our life. Circle one are the people we don't choose. Those are the people that Hashem gives us. They're our homework. They're the people that we have our biggest tikkun with, right? Our biggest repair work to do. Tikkun olam, each one of us is an olam. Each one of us is a microcosm of the entire world. And when we repair and when we do the work, we change the world outside of us, right? It's easy to join the Peace Corps and go and save the world and go to a third world country. That's easy in comparison to taking a hard look inside ourselves and doing the work that is in front of us all the time, right? Not very glamorous, not very romantic, you know? Uh, not worth necessarily writing a book book about, you know, or making a mini series of, but that's the real work. Okay. Now, <clears throat> we said circle two are the people that you choose. C circle two are those people that bring out the best in you. They're the people that you love to be with. There's the friends that you could talk endlessly on the phone with and never run out of things to say. They're the people, like I said, that you always have energy for. You'll run to the door for them but you can hardly get off the couch if it's your husband, right? You can hardly move if it's a kid, right? Let alone smile. And yet it comes so easily with this circle two people. And they're kind of the frame that you want to envision yourself as, because that's how people see themselves when they say, sure, I have a lot of avas, Finam. I love people. They visualize themselves with these circle two people. And that's good because that shows you your potential. That shows you what you can be with more people, with even people in your circle three. Who are the people in circle three? Those are the people on the periphery of your life, right? The mailman, the person you walk past on the street and you say good morning to, where before you might have just passed them by. You know, the older man who's sitting on his porch and you make an effort as you're walking by to say good morning. Have a great day. These are the ways that we stretch ourselves. And of course, going back to our Musser principles, for some of us, that's a real stretch because some people are more introverted. Some people are more comfortable staying in their, what we call in the halachic terms, their dalit amos, their, you know, personal space, right? 
And others it's easier for because they're more gregarious, they're more outgoing, and also culture and the way you grew up has a lot to do with how you engage with Circle 3 people. You know, I was talking to a friend from New York who's from Brooklyn. She's very Brooklyn. And she was telling me she was in Lakewood visiting her kids. And Devorah, Devorah, I saw a deer. I saw a deer. It was incredible. And I was so excited about it. There was this couple walking by me. And I said to them, did you see the deer? And then I realized, what am I doing talking to strangers? I don't even know them. I said, I don't know, honey, I'm from St. Catharines. We talked to strangers our whole life. You know, we didn't know that you weren't supposed to talk to strangers. But again, some of it's cultural. You know, she said, would you, you would say hi to people? Like, I understand on Shabbos saying Shabbos to people you don't know, but like on a weekday, you would say hello to somebody you don't know, just, you know, she comes from Brooklyn, New York, like Avenue J. Like if you start saying hello to everybody you don't know, you know, You'll be busy all day long. But anyway, I said, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, saying hi sometimes to people you don't know is, is an important thing to do to stretch yourself. Okay. So there's also the cultural aspect to this. But basically, home air, some people are just naturally more loving. Some people just their love flows. You sense it when you meet them. These are very special people. They're very developed and really you know, you know, people like that, they just like people, they love people, you know, and then there's other people who love people theoretically, as the saying goes, I love mankind, it's people I hate, right? I, I have the idea, of it, but, you know, it's very hard to put into practice. And then, of course, like I said, some of us are more comfortable in our own little circle. It's harder for us to ask somebody, who are you? You know, where are you from? Um, the same lady actually told me that she went to a wedding once and she didn't know a soul there. This is a woman from Brooklyn again, who grew up in Brooklyn, who knows tons of people. And somehow she was at a wedding where she did not know a soul. And she said, she'll never forget how one woman at the wedding just brought her into her inner circle and just spoke, you know, she said, and, and a lot of times when you go to a wedding, when you see friends that you haven't seen for a long time, you don't want to talk to that new person that's sitting on the other side of you. You're going to say hi, but you're going to spend your whole night, right, enjoying that friend that you haven't seen for a year or somebody that you never have time to talk to. She said, this woman made an effort to just bring her in she was with her the whole wedding. She was introducing her to people. And she said, I cannot tell you, I will never forget that woman because of the way she moved out of her circle two to circle three and did this incredible chesed. So just being aware of the people that are on the periphery, that are in circle three, that will gain so much from your smile, from your hello. Okay, so we're going to talk today about what prevents us from doing this, from allowing our love to flow freely. What gets in the way? What do we have to do? What are the obstacles? Why is it that my love is not freely flowing the way I'd like it to be? So there's two aspects to this, and it's a pasuk in Tehillim that I'm sure you're all familiar with, but we use it for character development. And it's the idea of sur meira va'aseto, that before you can do good, you have to turn away from bad. 
So we want to turn away from what's preventing us or look at what are our obstacles in order that we can move out of our comfort zone and become more loving. Okay. So the question asked is, is it enough not to hate people? Why do I have to love them? What about those people who are very different than me that I just don't like? I just have a really hard time relating to them. Now, the Chazon Ish, who was a great rabbi in Israel, lived in B'nai Brak. Okay. I'm not sure of his uh, um, date of death, but it wasn't, it might have been 30 years ago, 30, 40 years ago. He was very much a great and esteemed Torah scholar and leader of the Jewish people. And he says in one of his books, every human being was created with two kohot, a koach to love and a koach to hate. And a person never relates to another with both of them together. You're either loving or you're hating. You can't do both, he says, at the same time. One is working and the other is being controlled and held back. When I'm loving you, my ability to hate is held back. And when I hate you, my love is completely held back. It reminded me of a Gemara, which I looked up yesterday because it immediately came to mind. It's in Sanhedrin 7a. And there it says there was a certain man who said about his marriage, when our love was strong, we could have slept on a bed that was the width of a sword. Now that our love is not strong, a bed of 60 cubits, which is very wide, is not sufficient for us. So, you know, he doesn't say when I hate her, but he uses a what's called a lashonaki, right? We don't like to say negative words. It's amazing. For example, when it talks about Noah's animals, the ones that are impure, it calls them not pure, right? It doesn't say they're dirty, okay? Because we always try to speak with a positive, in a positive way. So even here in the Gemara, you know, he says, now that our love is not strong, a bed of 60 cubits is not sufficient for us. So again, this is sort of you know, bringing down this idea from the Chazonish that you can only feel one feeling at a time, either love or hate. They don't intermingle. One's just being held back. The altar of Kelm says a person can never stand in one place. Rather, if one koach goes down, the other one goes up. Okay, so if you're, if you're loving, then your hatred is at bay. And if you're hating, your love becomes so to speak, pushed down, okay? And the truth is, it's like an escalator, as we said. If you're not going up, you're going down. If you're not actively working on loving other people, you're going to be more prone to fall into hatred. So someone who's not actively working on loving his fellow man, he will eventually fall into the trap of hating people. Okay, and I'm going to explain more about that. It sounds very extreme. So the truth is, we don't usually love or, or hate others. We usually feel neutral about other people, right? Now, sometimes if we listen to our self-talk, we can be shocked at the things that are going through our mind 
even when we just meet another person or we see another person from a distance, sometimes we can have a lot of negativity going on and we don't even know them, right? We're jealous, we're comparing ourselves, we're feeling insecure, whatever it is. But the point is, is in most cases, in terms of our actions, we're very neutral about most people. However, what the rabbi, the altar of Kelm points out is these neutral people that you don't feel anything strongly for either way, if they were to do something against you, you would no longer feel neutral about them. You would hate them. You would immediately hate them. So the point that they're making, the rabbis, is that on a conceptual level, ahavas habrios, loving humanity, loving Hashem's creations, meaning other people, doesn't just happen. You have to work at it. Because even if you walk around being neutral about, you know, 99% of people, the minute they look at you at the wrong way, butt into line, do something even unintentionally, that hatred, that place of hatred is sparked. And so what the rabbis are saying, if you don't exercise that place of love over and over and over again and work on it, even with those people that are now neutral, then your natural go-to will be a place of sinner. Okay, let me explain more about, about that. So you have to say to yourself, even when you're not um, interacting with other people, that there's something special about that group of people, right? It could be an ethnic group. It could be a group of people that are doing something together that in your eyes is very admirable, you know, some kind of volunteer work or some people that got together to do something spontaneously wonderful for others, right? There's so many stories like that, like the one I mentioned about the woman at the wedding, where Jews do for other Jews because of their ahava. Another story this woman actually told me is when she was young, she was on her way to the Catskills with a bunch of friends to go to a hotel, and their car broke down minutes before Shabbat was starting. And of course, they were in a panic, but they happened to break down, she said, right outside of a Hasidic bungalow colony and a Hasidic man came out and offered them his very expensive car she said and said go take my car and get to the hotel we'll figure everything out after Shabbat so you know it's good to be part of the tribe and people take care of each other and we have this example of Avas Chinam this is somebody who worked to love other Jews naturally it was spontaneous Take my car. You're my kid. It's like you're my kids. I wouldn't do this for my kids. Of course I would. My husband and I were once in Montreal and we walked up that big mountain in the city, Mount, Mont Royal. Yeah. And as soon as we came down it, there was also a Hasidic man at the bottom of the mountain. He had a huge van and it was open. And right away he said to us, are you hungry? Come on, I got pastrami sandwiches. How about some nash? Do you want some nash? Do you want some candy? It was like, wow, you know, just because he knew we were identifiably Jewish, it was like he was treating us like family. So there's a lot of ahab out there where you just have to tap into it. Okay. So you have to say to yourself, there's something special about that group of people or even that person. Because we know 
This love of other people that we don't know is a different kind of love than what you feel for your child or for your spouse. It's something that has to be activated. So what is love? And how can I develop it for people that I don't really know? So one of the definitions here is that ahava, love, is a deep koach, meaning a deep strength that we all possess that's in the nefesh. It's in the soul. Okay? And much of love is manifest in giving. The way that we see love, so to speak, in action is through giving. Now, giving doesn't only mean bringing somebody a pot of soup when they're sick in bed. Giving can be through your speech. And giving can even be through your thoughts, what you're thinking about another person. Hashem sees our thoughts. Our thoughts count as mitzvot. We have what's called six constant mitzvot, right? Knowing there's a God, knowing God is one. Loving God, being in awe of God, fearing God. I can't remember all of them right now. Not what, But the point is that they're called six constant mitzvot because they're mitzvahs that take place in the mind, in the thoughts. It's something you can do all the time. Oh, thank you so much, Hashem. I love you so much for giving me this beautiful day. Thank you so much, Hashem, for giving me the opportunity to go swimming or whatever it is that I'm healthy enough. Thank you so much, Hashem, for giving me the money that I need to pay for my groceries, right? There are some people who can't or who worry every time they get to the cash register. We can be constantly doing that and we get a mitzvah for all of these positive thoughts. And of course, when we're thinking positively about other people, it shows that we have a generous mind and a generous heart. So you can be mentally generous to other people. You can give through your speech, right? By complimenting others, by wishing people a good morning. And you can even give in your thoughts. You know, even when you walk down the street of your neighborhood and you know people living in the houses around you, who have different issues and different problems, you can go past their houses and say, oh, Hashem, you know, please, you know, let their kid get married. You know, she's already 35, you know, help her to find a spouse. Or you can say, somebody's sick in this house, you know, let them get well again. And it's about training ourselves to always be thinking good thoughts about others as if they were our own family, as if they were part of our circle one right? So we have to work on this. It's something about being generous with your thoughts. Now, Rav Dessler, Rav Eliyahu Dessler, uh, says that the more you give, the more you love, right? He asked the question, does love lead to giving or is it actually giving that leads to love? And what he concludes is that the more you give to somebody, the more you love them. So it's really in your court. Okay, now, how does he uh, come to this? He says, if you look at the parent-child relationship, there's nobody who gives more than a parent to a child. And a parent's love for a child is much, much greater than a child's love for a parent. 
based on the fact of the incredible giving that starts right from the moment of birth, whether you want to give or not, you know, you're forced to. And that giving is meant to lead to love. And that's why even somebody in circle three, the moment you give to somebody, a stranger, you give them directions or you, you know, uh, give them a tip on where to shop or you tell them something, you know, they're lost and you tell them how to get somewhere. The distance between you has been diminished because they no longer feel like a stranger. Why? Because you've given to them. And when we give to others, what happens is we see ourselves in the other person. We expanded ourselves and we become part of that other person. So in some ways, the reason we love them is because we see ourselves and we love ourselves more than anything else, right? So we see ourselves now expanded and we say, wow, you know, I really like you. Why do I like you so much? Because I expanded myself into you by giving to you, right? And of course, I've said many times the word in Hebrew, Natan, is a palindrome. That when you give, right, whether you read it forwards or backwards, it's the same word. Because when you give, you're really receiving. Okay. But um, so when you give love in action, there's ways, different ways to give. Again, you can give it in action by actually giving something. You can love someone through your speech by complimenting or what we talked about last week, validating oh, really, that must be so hard for you, rather than diving in to sit, to rescue them. What do you mean? How could you say that? You're not fat. Everybody loves you. What are you talking about, right? But validating people's feelings, sharing space, right? In my class on SNES, we talked about listening. That's a way of giving. When you listen to others and validate them, you are giving, right? And um, so loving people in your thoughts, being mentally generous. He's a great guy. I hope she has a great day. It can be only in your thoughts. So when a person wants to love, it usually comes through some form of giving. How do you love someone? And here's the question that Risa asked last week. How do you love someone who is not responsive to your loving gestures? Okay, you've given and you've given and you've given, right? And you just don't feel like you're getting back. You're not getting back the love. You're not getting back the appreciation, right? The person that you're giving to is very critical. Or they have a disorder. They have some kind of psychological disorder, right? They've never gotten over some childhood hurt. They've never worked through their pain. And you are the um, representation of everything that's wrong in their life. And though you give and give and give, the message just doesn't get through. The love just doesn't reach them. What are you supposed to do with people like that? What does the Torah tell us we should do? How do we work through that pain? So again, we always have to take things up to a higher level. Okay? Ahavas chinam is not only bein adam lechavero. Loving other people is not only about what we call 
Bein Adam Lechavero, right? Between you and your fellow man. All of us know there's 10 commandments. The first five are mitzvahs between me and God. Keep Shabbat. Don't take my name in vain. Know that I'm the God who took you out of Egypt. And the second half of the Luchot, right? Don't murder, don't steal, don't covet, don't be jealous, right? Those are all mitzvahs bein adam l'chavera. So what we're learning here is that avad chinam, although we think it's a mitzvah, only between us and other people, we're being told that ahavas chinam is also a concept bein adam l'makom, between us and God. Every time you are nice to another person who may not even be a good recipient of your love, when you're nice and you're giving, even though this person isn't reciprocating, you can connect yourself more to Hashem. Because what you're saying to Hashem is, I am nurturing your children. Right? Ultimately, we know our children don't really belong to us. Ultimately, those first close circle one relationships, as I like to say, we come in this world alone and we go out the same way. The only thing we take with us are the mitzvos, right? Are the way that we improved and developed ourselves along the way. Who I am is God's gift to me, but who I become is my gift to God. And all those people in our lives are just props. They're just there to get us to grow, to become better. And it's painful. And we don't always get back what we expect from them. And some people can't give it to us. They don't know how. They're stuck. They're not well. Whatever it is, they've got their own issues from their own people in their circle one that they've never worked through. But when we understand that when we do good to these people, we're saying to Hashem, Hashem, I'm nurturing your children. you got all kinds of children, Hashem. And you love them all. You have enough love for all of them. And you know exactly where they're coming from and what's making them so miserable. So even if I don't understand, I'm going to continue to give. I'm going to continue. It can be very painful when your efforts of giving and loving are not received well. But Hashem counts intention, even your intentions as if they are actions. So even in your thoughts that you want to give, that you wish you could give, or whatever, even if you do it and you get nothing back, you're doing it because it makes you a more loving person. Because nobody's going to change you from being a loving person to an unloving, resentful, angry person. You're not going to allow that. So you're giving to be more like Hashem who gives to all of us. He doesn't look at, you know, how much we've accomplished or whether we deserve it. He continues to wake us up every morning. He continues to give us all our needs. He continues to give us our every breath. And he never gives up on us. And that's kind of the attitude that we have to have with our giving. You never know. Somebody could turn around in a moment. Wow, it's been 40 years. So great to hear from you. Who would have thought after 40 years, you're giving me a call? Wow, 
Yeshua's Hashem Keheref Ayin. We say the salvation of God can come in the blink of an eye. Things can turn around if you live long enough. You've seen this. I see it with the weather sometimes in Canada, right? Somebody said the reason the month of May is called May because it may rain, it may be sunny, it may snow, it may, you know, somebody the point is, is in one second, the weather could change from snow to sun to hail to this to that. And Hashem does it. He makes the weather. It's so true. Even in our personal relationships, we never know, but we just keep on giving. You know, there's that terrible expression, no good deed goes unpunished which I just had this discussion with my sister the other day. And I like to say no good deed goes unnoticed. That's the Jewish way. That yes, maybe it was a pain. Maybe you got hurt on the way. Maybe the people weren't nice to you on your way to doing a mitzvah. Or they didn't even say thank you. Or they didn't appreciate what you did. But so what? Hashem notices. He knows your intentions and your thoughts and how you wanted to do good. And whether the other person is able to receive it, that's not your business. That's not your business. Your business is to be like Hashem, right? We're all created in God's image. Who is Hashem? Hashem is constantly giving. The definition of God is that he is constantly giving. Olam chesed yibana. He built the world with the foundation of chesed. His giving is flowing, right? And the only reason that we don't receive as much as we might be, you know, wanting or as much as he wants to give is just like that person in our life who won't accept our giving. We also stop up the flow of giving. We stop up, stop it up with our actions, with our thoughts, with our negativity, with our not wanting to be in relationship with Hashem on his terms, but wanting it to be on our terms, what I feel like it, what I'm comfortable with. And so we stop up that giving. So, you know, we can use that as an analogy for people in our lives that don't allow us to give and don't know how to receive it. Okay. Um, so Hashem counts our intentions as if they are actions and no good deed, no good word, no good thought goes unnoticed. Hashem writes it all down in his little book. And here's a, a way of, of, of uh, making this very practical, right? Let's say you made something very special for Shabbos. You made a new recipe. And you put a lot of work into that recipe, right? You made a seven-layer cake from scratch. I don't know, right? And you put so much work into that recipe. And you put it in the oven and it burns, okay? And you can't serve it for Shabbos. So what Dina Schoonmaker says is, even though in this world, you're not going to be able to eat that cake, or you're not going to be able to eat that kugel, in heaven, that cake or kugel is totally intact. And it's totally delicious. Why? Because your intentions were to make this wonderful cake, this wonderful kugel. It, it was imbued with love. It was filled with love. You wanted your family to enjoy it. It came from such a good and loving place. So in this world, nobody got to eat it. But in the next world, you get up there and Hashem says, wow, that was a great kugel you made. Right? Because it was full of pure intentions. It was full of the desire and love 
of giving. So the Kugel's still intact and waiting for you in heaven. The same is true of people who invest a lot in relationships. Let's lose our connection. Here we go. Unmute yourself, Devorah. Okay. Hi, can you hear me? Okay. So the same with the Kugel, right? Relationships. Let's say you invest a lot in Shalom Bias, right? You have a really difficult spouse. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how much you give. <laughs> you know, it's just not developing. The relationship just isn't as close and as connected as you would like it to be. So again, your good behaviors are not noticed or appreciated by your husband. And this can be extremely frustrating because I'm investing and trying. But for some reason, my efforts are not being well received. Then you get up to Shemayim after 120 years. And the first thing that you're handed is the Aishas Chayel Award. <laughs> right? And you're saying, what? Me? My marriage? I get the Aishas Chayel Award? What's going on here? This doesn't make any sense. But Hashem says, yes. You know why? Because even though down there, your marriage was not going to be, you know, uh, the marriage of, uh, you know, the Guinness World Book record of wonderful marriages, up here in Shemayim, where we really see things as they are, your efforts and your desires and your good deeds and the way that you really, really tried with this very hard spouse that I gave you, right, that you thought you chose, but I actually chose him 40 days before you were born. Because you had to develop yourself in this area. This was your tikkun. This was your work. This was your mission in this world. So yes, up here, you're getting the Aishas Chayel Award. Or you can have the same with a parent who had a child that was such a disappointment. Or a very difficult child. Or a child that you tried and you tried and you worked and you worked and you gave your all to. And he was never going to be anything great or the opposite. He was going to be a rotten apple. And you get up to Shemayim and you get the parent of the year award, the parent of, of the year's award. And you say, what, me? Did you see my kid? And Hashem says, listen, I saw how you tried. I saw your efforts. I saw that you kept that smile on your face and you kept on going. And you said, it's not about him. It's about Hashem, this is your kid. I'll be nice to this kid for you, Hashem. Even if I get nothing back, even if there's no dividends for me in this world, right? I'm not gonna allow that relationship to destroy my joy and my happiness and my desire to give and to love. Okay, now let's talk about this a little bit more realistically. I wanna get to this, okay. So all you did in this world is in vain, but Hashem looks at your intentionality. And in the next world, it's all a matter of intention. It's not about the results. Hashem looks at our efforts. He does not care about the results. 
down here, you know, you had five kids, they all went to Harvard, you know, you can show them off, you can talk about them till you're blue in the face and get everybody jealous about them. But up there in heaven, Hashem says, so what? I made them smart, big deal. So they did something with their brains that I gave them, you know? I just read a great quote, I want to share it with you. You can write this down. Humility is not about thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. Okay, it's not really, the point is, is that, yeah, so what? But, but, but the point is, is what did you do emotionally with the difficult people in your life? Okay, how did you continue to do even when it was painful? Okay, so the relationships where I'm being very loving, but the other person just doesn't receive it. The fact that you didn't receive in this world doesn't mean it is lost in the next world. Chinam means that I'm giving you this love for free, even if you don't reciprocate, even if you don't live up to my expectations, even if you can't appreciate or reciprocate, it's free. I'm going to do this for you anyway. Okay, so there's a few different examples in circle one. You know, sometimes we have a certain dance we do with somebody in circle one. And we've been doing this dance for so many years, it's so hard to break out of it. And we don't know what came first, the dance, the behaviors before the dance, but we get used to it. And what we're trying to do here, ladies, with this VAD is to break out of a cycle, to pick, pick up the phone and call somebody after 40 years, to break out of the dance that we've created. And so even though... Um, and the stance is that even though I'm giving and trying to be more loving, I don't seem to have a free-flowing love with them, okay? And there's a lot of pain instead. You know, sometimes we get an immediate response when we begin giving, even with this person we've been doing a, a painful dance with. But sometimes it can take a long time, and sometimes it maybe never happens, Rabbi Avram Tversky Zatzal, the great psychiatrist, psychologist of the Jewish world, said that some of the people who are most difficult are that way because there's a psychological concept that these people have a fear of rejection. They sabotage relationship because they themselves don't think they're lovable. Okay. And they're so afraid that you will find out about what there is not to love about them. In other words, that you will reject them. So they reject you first. It's less painful for them to reject you first than to create this close relationship with you and then have you reject them. And again, it comes from their own feelings of, I'm not good enough. I'm not such a great person. And this is very common, Rabbi Tversky says. I read about it actually in an article to the Shabbos, where she says, talking about things that get in people's way of becoming successful. And she talks about this self-sabotage, right? And um, so they go on the offensive. So these circle one people may reject us first because they are worried, they are vulnerable, and, uh, and they're worried about not being liked. So they counteract that by not liking you or acting out 
or doing something annoying so you won't like them. Then they can blame it on you. She gives the example of a student who makes sure that they get rejected by the teacher because of their antics. Well, of course the teacher doesn't like me, right? And, and what happens is the reason they do this is they're saying they're so anxious about rejection. So they do these antics uh, so that they will be rejected. Okay, hold on. So this is a very deep place that this comes from, this desire to feel rejected because you yourself, uh, you want the other person to reject you for something that you can say, it's because of I did this. And you'll do that annoying behavior to push the person away because you're afraid that if you have a relationship and you are connected, they'll push you away, you know, for nothing. So you'd rather preempt that by doing something to push them away because you're afraid of the closeness, okay? So there are some people who are annoying and act out and press our buttons because of this fear of rejection. Because they fear this, they continue doing this when all they really want is our love. You know, we know this idea. We've heard this in parenting, right? That the kid who is the most difficult, the kid who seems to be doing everything contrary to what you say, is the one who needs the most love. But instead, and it's paradoxical because instead we just push that kid away, right? Why can't you be like, you know, sorrow over here who listens and who does what, and it's such a pleasure to give to her. And it's a, such a pleasure to do for her. Why can't you be like that? And yet it's the kid who's acting out that needs even more love. And yet, you know, it's difficult for us to give it there because the dividends are not as easy or as great necessarily or as abundant as with the easier kid. So on a deep level, we're supposed to keep giving to them so they feel safe in the relationship. So this can help. Now, Avas Chinam is a minute-by-minute mitzvah. Rav Chaim Vital in Peleyoet says that every minute that you have Ahava towards another person, it's a separate mitzvah. So every time that kid that's bugging you, that husband who, you know, you can't find anything good in all, for this moment, and you switch it on, you turn on, hey, wait, you know, he went to the store for me yesterday. You know, he did me a favor. You get a mitzvah for every minute by minute. Ahava, right? You're looking at a stranger and you're thinking negative thoughts about them for no good reason, just because you're like that dog who goes to the hole and we're all wired negatively, right? And you switch it and you say, I don't have to think that. Why am I thinking that way? Look how nicely he's dressed or... Wow, did you notice, you know, he's got a nice hat on or whatever it is. Or wow, that's another Jewish person. They must have so many mitzvahs. You know, every Jew is like a rimon, like a pomegranate. Without even trying, he has so many mitzvahs. So we have to keep turning that on because every single minute that you have ahava towards another person is a separate mitzvah. Now the Yetzir Hara tries to make it very hard for us to love because it doesn't want us to have this mitzvah of ahavas rios, loving Hashem's creation. If I'm with a difficult person and I take a minute to invest in them and give to them, 
Every minute that I love that person is an extra mitzvah. Again, I can't love and hate them at the same time. I have to turn on the faucet of love through giving. Giving means, again, it can be only in my thoughts. And Hashem counts it. Our intentions are as if we did an action. If someone is not receptive or even abusive, at this moment, I had a moment of pure love and that counts. Okay, avas chinam doesn't mean that everyone has to be my best friend. That's not avas chinam. And the truth is, is sometimes I love certain people more when I interact less with them. Okay? When we distance ourselves from a person because I can't stand you, this is what's called hatred. Okay? The definition of hatred in halacha, in Jewish law, is whoever you avoid for three days out of animosity, it means you hate them. If you avoid somebody for 40 years, and every time you see them, you walk to the other side of the street. You run out of the shul. You don't even go to that shul anymore because they're there. It means you hate them, according to the Torah, okay? Now, sometimes we avoid people out of embarrassment, right? I forgot to come to your simcha. I, I forgot to send you a thank you note. Whatever it is, maybe we're embarrassed about something that happened. Okay, and sometimes I avoid you because I love you more when I'm not with you all the time. Now that's okay, right? There's certain people that if you spend too much time with them, you know it's going to be dangerous. And I want to love you, but I'll love you more with less time, right? Together. So that again is a strategy, a plan to, to love somebody more. I didn't speak to you for three days to help our relationship, to feel closer to you. I did it purposefully because our relationship is complicated. Okay, that's different than not than hatred, which is out of animosity. And again, when the when the halacha says three days, it's really speaking about three different times where you had the opportunity to come back to this person, to connect to this person, to, to diminish the distance between you by saying a hello, by maybe having to confront them and say, you know, I'm really hurt. Something happened and I, I just want to share this with you. Maybe I didn't understand. You know, maybe you need to have a conversation with them. But the, the halach is telling us that if you allow a relationship to go three times and you foster the distance and make it even wider and that stone inside of yourself even harder, then that is going to be hatred. And you don't want to walk around with that for the rest of your life. You don't want to walk around with it inside you. It's not healthy. We know all kinds of you know, risks of anger and toxicity of resentment, etc. Okay. Wow, I can't believe I didn't get through all of those. Okay. A minute of pure loving and infusion of good thoughts is a mitzvah in itself. So back to our point, what about people who don't receive our love? 
what about people who we give and we give and they don't seem to, it doesn't seem to register. We don't feel their love back. We don't feel appreciated. The idea here is that we invest in Avas Chinam even when the other person is not responsive. Okay. I want to get to this because I think this is really important. Rav Itamar Schwartz says that we women spend our whole day giving to people, right? We are giving all the time. We're shopping, we're cleaning, we're cooking for everybody else around us. And sometimes we're so surprised that it doesn't go over well. We don't feel loved. They don't feel loved. Even though we're giving, 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 you know, I'm giving all day long to you guys. What's wrong? So what's going wrong? You know, you're giving to someone or investing in them. And what you're saying to yourself is what's wrong with these ingrates? What's wrong with these narcissists around me? Why don't they appreciate my efforts? And what this rabbi explains is that there are deeper reasons for why people around you are not receiving. And he says, look first if the problem is in the giver. It has something to do with the way you give, with the way you're giving. Maybe me as a giver is not giving in a way that makes the receiver be able to receive it well. Okay, our giving can be mixed with all kinds of other feelings, right? We know they can be mixed with resentment. They can be mixed with expectations. They can be mixed with guilt. They can be mixed with fear. There's all kinds of things that are infused in our giving that if we look inside ourselves, we can feel it. And believe me, the people who you're giving to have very good antennae and they pick it up, you know, in a very intense way. So with this Rabbi Itamar Schwartz says, the problem might not be in the receiver. We talked about how it could be the receiver, but that it could be in the intentions and what impure intentions are mixed in with that giving. Okay, so we're going to stop here. Hope you enjoyed this class. To sponsor a future class, or for a complimentary and completely confidential coaching session with me, as I support you in reaching your goals and actualizing your true potential, please email me at DeborahVale at Yahoo.ca. That's Deborah, D-E-V-O-R-A-H, Vale, V-A-L-E, at Yahoo.ca.